Guys, you know we have some great sponsors on our show that have all sorts of great deals that we want you to take advantage of. But if you're driving or cooking or changing a diaper, it's hard to write down all the information and you wish you could have remembered the code. That's right. But we got your backs. Go to whatfreshhellpodcast.com and click on promo codes right at the top and you'll see a list of all our sponsors and all the special deals they offer to our listeners. Plus, whenever you visit our sponsors, you let them know you're listening, which is great for the show. So thanks. I know Mo about FOMO. What fresh hell. Laughing in the face of motherhood. Wow, I never put my kid on a camel. With Margaret Abels and Amy Wilson. Momming is middle school all over again. A podcast that solves today's parenting dilemmas so you don't have to. Everybody has their bathing suits on. It's not weird. Hello, everyone, and welcome to this episode of What Fresh Hell? Laughing in the Face of Motherhood. This is Margaret. And this is Amy. And this week, we're talking about motherhood and FOMO, fear of missing out. FOMO. Does everyone know what FOMO is? I have a definition. FOMO started about... I remember being at a job that I returned to and people saying FOMO all the time, but I didn't know what it was and I had to Google it. That was probably like five or six years ago. Exactly. So it was added to the Oxford Dictionary in 2013. So that's... Yeah, that sounds... Look at me. I know Mo about FOMO. I thought it was something different than what it is. I think... So I'll tell you what Oxford Dictionary thinks it is. All right. Well, tell me what it is. I mean, it's fear of missing out. I know that's what it stands for. Right. Fear of missing out. Right, but the Oxford Dictionary says it's anxiety that an exciting or interesting event may currently be happening elsewhere, often aroused by posts seen on social media. You're right. It's like that thing. It's that feeling of like you see the post on social media and you're like, oh, no, everyone went to like the town parade and I didn't go. And now I feel like a big fat loser. Yeah, I guess I didn't really get that until I started looking into this, that you can have... FOMO, fear of missing out. It's like the compare and despair thing that even if somebody somewhere went to a pumpkin patch and put it on Instagram and you just follow, you know, some hashtag and you see somebody living a beautiful life, that gives you this FOMO feeling that somehow you're not quite getting it right for yourself or for your kids. Yeah, this is, I want to say, how everybody feels all the time. (laughs) And if we could, in this episode, solve this, it would make me extremely happy. Because our friend Jill Krause, jillkrause.com, K-R-A-U-S-E, right, Amy? Jill Krause? Yeah, that's right. She used to be Baby Rabies. She just did a funny post on this on her Instagram And it's her having like a leaf fight with the kids and they're just all beautifully dressed and they're frolicking in the leaves and like throwing leaves at each other and be like, right. She's a master of Instagram and beautiful photos. She literally wrote the book on it. Yeah, she's beautiful stuff. But they're like literally photo play. Go check it out. Not a sponsor. But then she posted a photo alongside of it of her like leaning over with a really mean face and like screaming at her kids basically two minutes later because they were like taking up a lot of the sidewalk or something. It was like a very shocking (laughs) what's not a trip titch. It's a duo titch. You know, it's like a side by side. (laughs) A diptych, I think they call it. Picture. A diptych. That does not sound right. It was a very like alarming side by side comparison of like, oh, that's right. Like, I mean, we've posted the meme, I think, that like behind every holiday photo is like a mom who screamed no screens for a month if you don't smile for this nicely. You know, it's like that curated life online always has 
that ability to be like, oh, other families happily frolic in the pumpkin patch. And I'm just sitting here screaming at my kid to get off his iPad. I'm a loser. That you're not doing it better or that you have all along been missing out on something you didn't know about until now. And now you have the like, can I give you professor of psychology, Dan Ariely, I think you pronounce his last name. He says that FOMO is when you become afraid that you've made the wrong decision about how to spend your time. Yeah. I mean, this points to a larger thesis of mine, which I've shared before, but let's revisit. Momming is middle school all over again. Like that is to me one of the most surprising things about becoming a mom. I feel like in my 20s and my 30s, like I just was pretty much freed. I was a very unpopular child. (laughs) I didn't have friends. So much free time. (laughs) I had a ton of free time. Lots of free time. Really developed my imagination. But like I wasn't cool enough to be like, I'm just a weirdo independent kid. Like I longed to be part of the popular crowd. I was like a total loser. No one wanted to be my friend. And I obsessed about it through my youth. I would like try to get my hair to look right. So I look like the popular girl. Like I was obsessed with it. And then I went to college, found my field of bees from the blind melon video who were like all the weirdos. And I was like, here I am. I'm fine. And I feel like I exercised for myself that feeling of like, everyone's doing it right and I'm the wrong one. And I was like, oh, I'm actually much cooler than the people who are in lockstep. But like, I really came into my own skin in a very, like, I think, healthy way. And I was like, oh, I kind of rule. Like, look at me. And then I had kids and like right away I found myself back to like, oh, my God, everyone is doing the right thing and I am standing on the outside. And I am back to like having my cafeteria tray in my hand and being like, does anyone want to sit with me? I guess not because I'm a loser. And you're feeling all the anxiety of you missing out and your kids missing out. Like, have I signed my kid up for the right camp for this summer? And is this was this a mistake going to soccer practice all along when we could have been doing children's chorus? And like every time you see somebody else's kid achieving something or just a road not taken for your kid, there is a little bit like, hmm, have I been spending my kids time the wrong way? And it's just a whole other separate avenue to feel anxious about. We just had a weekend, just this weekend, where I have mentioned before that my kids don't play sports, which I am eternally grateful for. But it's been really cold. It's just been that miserable, like 39 degrees and raining weather where you're just like, there's no point in venturing outside because we will just immediately be overtaken by consumption and pass away, you know. But there was all this stuff going on and I have been a little sick and I was tired and I'm just like, I don't want to do much. And our weekends in the winter tend to be a little bit like we sit around a lot. You know, the kids probably do too many screens and then they just kind of play dopey games. And I was like, we're losers. All these other kids, I better out studying, you know, and learning a new language and frolicking with each other. And we're just like sitting indoors like a bunch of unwanted trolls. But it's winter, you know, I mean, it's just the time of year where this is the way we behave, I think. Yeah, but so you're inside and you're having a quiet afternoon. And so what do you do? Because it's what all of us do 25 times a day. You check your phone. Yes. And I see all the other people outside. That's right. If you're like, huh, am I missing out on doing something fun? Guess what? You will find ample support of that idea if you open any of your social media. Yeah, in the micro and in the macro. Like, 
On any given cozy day, I might be like, look at those losers out at an apple orchard. We're rocking it here in our blankets, you know. But I think for me, the micro doesn't bother me, the day to day. But it's a little bit more the big picture of like that perfect family looks perfect or like Jill Krause is just frolicking in the leaves in this way that I will never achieve. And like that part of it is harder for me. It's funny. I mean, so I like towards the end of the spectrum, I probably do hew a little bit more towards the like, oh my gosh, like how does she get it all done? I am not like both of us know somebody, Margaret on Facebook, who she put her like part one of her Christmas wrapping on Facebook this weekend and she's going to get to part four, which is like cinnamon sticks and, you know, things from pine trees tied in ribbon she made herself. And like, I look at that and I have FOMO, like she's done with part one of wrapping her Christmas presents. And I haven't even like done my list yet, but I am the kind of person who tends to be more organized. And anyway, one time a couple years ago, I got my Christmas cards done really early. Do you send out holiday cards? I do. Some people are like, why do that? Why waste your time? I don't know. I like sending them. I love getting them. I love opening them. I love them. So I do them. It's something I choose to take on and we send a lot. And one year I just was really on the ball and I got them done like over Thanksgiving weekend, we stuffed them like sitting around the house and I sent them out like on November 29th or whatever. And I got so much blowback, like, wow, like, oh my God, <laughs> like somebody got their cards out early first card. Like, oh my God. I'm like, wow, I have to get my act together. And I was so dismayed by that reaction that I set off and other people like you're stressing me out how together you are that I vowed to like never send them again before December, you know, 10th, 12th. Because I didn't want to be that one. I didn't want to be that person who's setting off a stressful reaction of why don't I have my act together and other people. I don't want to skip to the end, but I'm going to say this because it's a hard one lesson in my own life that I think is like if there's like to me like 10 key pillars to personal happiness, this is one of them. I'm going to lay it on you right now, Amy. Are you ready? Okay, I'm ready. It's not about you. I mean, the thing of like, oh, everybody, this thing that happened and everyone went to this thing and I wasn't invited. Is it? It's not about you. Amy got her Christmas cards done. And somehow that's a reflection that you're a bad person. Like our ability to put ourselves in the center of other people's stories is a sucking whirlpool of unhappiness. And it is something I think I've gotten a lot better at as I've gotten to be an oldie lock. So I'm like, listen, that person's pine cone wrapped burlap Christmas gifts, I can enjoy and look at and not put myself in that story. I have no role in that story. Like I tend to get really bonkers CVS paper two days beforehand and kind of wrap things in a half hearted way. But like I can appreciate her burlap cinnamon stick pine cone beauty. I'm just not part of that story. I'm like, oh, Look at that. Doesn't that look nice? My thing, also fine. But there are times, right? I mean, it isn't always that easy. Like, yeah, you shouldn't be comparing your Christmas wrapping styles to other people who have great joy in that and want to start really early. Great. Good for them. But then you are going to see online that your old coworker who didn't go on parental leave got the promotion two years later and you didn't. Or this other family is taking their kids to Disney World. And that is something that's really important to you. And you just can't get it together to get there right now because you can't swing the plane tickets. Like there is things that you feel bad about that you're not always wrong to feel bad about. It's just sort of like, what do you do about it? Oh, absolutely. And I'm not dismissing that. But I do think my only point is like there are situations where you can 
keep yourself out of the story and you should look for those all the time. Like, does this person's like unbelievable perfect Christmas tree make my haphazard Christmas tree done by my sticky handed children worse? It does not. But there's still a lot of situations where it's like, does we just went on a holiday home tour? So they do it as a fundraiser for the town. Like three people get their they have really nice homes and then there's a company that comes in and festoons the entire place for the holidays. You know what I mean? And so it's like you basically go gawk around at somebody's nice house and it's beautifully decorated for the holidays. It's a fundraiser. It's called a festive stroll. And I've been for like three years and my friend and I were walking through and I was like, I want to support this organization, but basically the festive stroll just makes me go home and like, kick my house and tell it how much I hate it. Like when I see everyone else's like unbelievably well-appointed mudroom and like butler pantry with like, you know, an ice chest that like pulls out with like fresh, beautiful ice. And like my ice machine doesn't even work. And we have to just like go to CVS and buy a bag of ice and pour it in. Like it makes me hate my house. Well, okay. I found something interesting in psychology about this. So you could probably look at sort of Beyonce's Christmas Spectacular, right? And you can look at like Beyonce's house decorated for Christmas and feel fine about that because that is not you, right? Right, because she's Beyonce. But your neighbor who lives half a mile down the road, that's when the compare and despair happens because it's closer to you. Oh, that's really interesting because the festive stroll brings it out in me like nothing else. Yeah. So Dan Ariely that I was talking about before, he talks about... This is how he puts it. When you miss a flight, when are you more upset? When you miss the jetway closing by two minutes or by two hours? Two minutes. Two minutes, right. It's like, oh my, I almost did it and I failed. Let me just lay an oldie locks quote on you, Amy. Back in my day, I could have been someone. Yeah. I could have been a contender. Instead of a bum, which is what I am. (laughs) That's on the waterfront, guys. Great old classic movie. Go check it out. (laughs) Right. So two minutes, because he says in two minutes, you have the room to imagine how things could be different. And that motivates you to behave in very strange ways. So there you go. That's you at the holiday stroll. Yes, exactly. That's me. at the. Hol- I just missed it. All right. Let's talk more about that strangeness and the strange ways we behave when we come back. Bombas makes the most comfortable socks in the history of feet. I am actually happy when I open my sock drawer and I see those Bombas peeking out. Amy, they spark joy. I'm glad to hear that. And you wouldn't think that socks could spark joy, but I know that you're right because I feel the same way. I mean, who would have thought it, Amy? Who would have thunk it? They're like a little bit of happiness in my morning when I have bombas to put on because they they just get all the little details right. The cotton is snuggly in a way that I can't fully express. There's no toe seam. <laughs> And there's a part across the middle that's like knit a little differently. So it sort of hugs the arch of your foot. It makes me happy. And I don't care what people say. I love Bombas. I want you to work on expressing about the toasty. Maybe that's an assignment for (laughs) you. These socks do more than keep your feet cozy though, Amy. For every pair you purchase, Bombas donates a pair to someone in need. We're talking 34 million pairs of socks and counting through their nationwide network of three thousand giving partners. Give a pair when you buy a pair and get 20% off your first purchase at bombas.com slash laughing. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash laughing for 20% off your first purchase. Bombas.com slash laughing. 
Beachbody On Demand is back as a sponsor this week. If you're like me, you discovered online fitness as a way to keep your sanity during these last couple of months. And with Beachbody On Demand, you get instant access to 1,300 different workouts you can stream anytime. I first learned about Beachbody, and you may have too, from P90X, which is an insanely effective workout, I will say. Fun and highly intense. But Beachbody also has yoga, bar, dance. There's a kids and family collection to get everybody moving. It's a huge, huge range of classes. And some of the classes get you results fast. By the time it would have taken you to drive to the gym, you did the 10-minute trainer, you're done. You can use Beachbody on your computer, tablet, phone, smart TV, anywhere you are. Listeners of the What Fresh Hell podcast can try Beachbody for free. You can get a special free Beachbody trial membership when you text laughing to 30 30 30. You will get free full access to the entire Beachbody on demand platform. All the workouts, all the support, all the content, totally free by texting laughing to 30 30 30. Check it out. Amy, I feel you have unlocked the key to my festive stroll angst. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why the social media is particularly stressful. Most of us use social media in some ways, and I like it. There are things about it that I love, but if you log on several times a day, it can take you, Susan Najarla wrote an article about this for Motherly, and she says you log on to Facebook and it takes you about 10 seconds to feel worse about yourself. <laughs> because, <laughs> it's probably true. Because, yeah, you're comparing to people who are closer to you, and that's when the FOMO can really kind of, you know, roar to life. And even though we all very, very much understand the Jill Krause two pictures thing, like we all understand how curated Facebook is, right? Like, I don't put a picture of my kid being like, I hate you. Like, I don't put that video on Facebook. I put the picture of my kid 10 minutes later who wrote me a poem that's like mom's hair is like a beautiful waterfall. You know, like I don't (laughs) you curate your content so carefully that like, of course, it is ridiculous. And like, I love I'm not a great photographer, but like whenever we go up to the lake, like I love to get that shot of like the kids like running down the dock and jumping into the water. It's like every car commercial, you know, So like I tend to put that picture up and it's like it looks extremely idyllic, you know, I feel like it. But you're not seeing the part 10 minutes later where they left the wet bathing suit on the couch. And I'm like, you monster. I feel like it's getting even more that way, too. I mean, I post a lot less frequently on Facebook now than I did 10 years ago. And so it's sort of only the highlights, right? Only like, yeah, here's my kid singing on TV. You know, here we are getting our picture taken for the grandparents' 50th anniversary. Like, that's the kind of stuff I post, the real milestones. And so, yeah, I'm like clothespinning from highlight to highlight. I don't put, oh, gosh, it's so cold out today. I mean, I I once did, but I kind of don't do that anymore. And I think most people don't. Yeah, no, I think people have gotten over that, like, daily posting and, I mean, everyone has also had the experience where, like, it's usually people I don't know very well. Like, it's like one of those randos from, like, six jobs ago who I'm just still friends with or whatever. And, like, their posts are the ones that are, like, every day is a joy with my beloved Frank. You know, they're, like, hugging their husband every 10 seconds. And it's, like, Frank brought home roses just Tuesday, I get You know, just, like, the whole thing. And then, like inevitably there's a post is like Frank and I are getting divorced and you're like, wait, what? Like you do. And of course, like you're seeing such a small percentage of anything that is going on in another Mm -hmm. human being's lives. And people are quite terrible that way with their kids. You know, every post is like someone won the, you know, blah, blah tournament. And 
you know, I tend to do it myself because I do it when my kids are delighting me, which is, you know, not that frequently. So my daughter is always wearing like hilarious outfits. Like I tend to be like, oh, look at how cute she is in this crazy outfit that she put together. But I don't post when she's like screaming in my face because I won't make her mac and cheese. Wait, wait, why would you? You're not going to get your positive reinforcement out of that. People seek reinforcement on Facebook in weird ways. Like I just saw somebody last week found a wallet in a taxi, which is like a daily occurrence, right? Right. She posted, it was a very powerful fashion executive because of course then I like Google the guy as anybody else would have, right? She posts his index card. Like I just found your wallet on Facebook and he worked for a, a fancy fashion line. His office phone number was on the index card. Like she could have just called his office, but instead she posted it on Facebook. And I think her motivations were two. One, she wanted this fashion line to be like, you're so amazing. We're going to send you some free clothes. But two, she wanted everybody to tell you how wonderful she was. Like, you know, what a good thing she had done by finding this guy's wallet. I'm like, and putting his like contact information on Facebook. It was crazy to me. But I'm like, oh, she's doing this, you know, for the pellets that she's going to get in return. Like, aren't you a wonderful person for finding his wallet? Yeah, it's hard not to go off after that hit, though. I've Mm -hmm. done it a million times myself. Like, it's pretty tempting. Can we go back to the near miss being worse than the far miss? Yes, yes, yes. Because that was revelatory for me. That's right. That like, no, I can't be Beyonce, but like I could have caught the darn plane. Yeah, I get right. I just missed it. So this blew my mind. There was a study. They rated Olympic medalists facial expressions when they're on the victory platform. Okay. You know, like many Olympic sports, many different Olympics, and they looked at their smiles based on how happy they were. And there is a sign they didn't ask them how happy they were, but they rated their smile. And there's a kind of a smile that's called a Duchenne smile. I never knew what this meant, but a Duchenne smile. We're all learning something today. It's just a a real smile, like crinkly eyes, you know, like your whole face is smiling. Your eye muscles are included. And then there's the other kind of smile that's kind of like dead eyes, like catalog model. You know, like you're smiling, but there's nothing going on behind the eyes. Based on that, you know, they could do like a 10 point scale and this person got a 7.3 and this one got a 4.2. Bronze medal winners were happier than silver medal winners. Yeah, that makes sense because they didn't just miss it. Yeah, because they didn't just miss it. Right after the event, they rated the facial expressions actually like right after the event was completed of the silver medal winners. The silver medal winners, like they weren't smiling at all. They showed sadness. They showed contempt or nothing on their faces. And then by the time they get to the actual podium, they have a smile on their face. And they showed an example in the article. I'm going to put the link up on our show page. You can just swipe or tap in whatever you're listening to right now or in our show notes at whatfreshellpodcast.com. And it was a perfect example. Like the silver medalist woman is smiling, but it is like the fakest, blankest smile you've ever seen. And the gold medal Winner looks kind of relieved. And the bronze medal woman, she looks like delighted. She came in third out of everybody in the world. Like she's comparing herself to literally the other, you know, billions of us. And the silver medal person is like, I just like two tenths of a second. (laughs) Oh, my God. I'm so glad I'm not an elite athlete. I suck. You know, isn't that interesting? Yeah, it is really interesting. Yeah. And I do think that like that mode, which I've never thought of before. And it is like a good I think a lot about maternal anxiety. Like, I think that the if I had to say, like, this is the presenting issue for mothers in 
2019, it's maternal anxiety. And like lots of people have, I was talking to a friend yesterday and I was saying, you know, what's interesting to me is I see people across a very wide range of experience with kids, people who have kids who are, you know, profoundly disabled, people who have kids who are on like the national team and headed straight for an Ivy League school. And like the commonality is maternal anxiety. There's been a lot of happiness studies that's interesting. That's like happiness is very internal, obviously, but like you would think that like that you have a happiness set point, basically, let's say. And if you win the lottery, your happiness set point spikes and then it eventually comes back. Like it, you get a momentary high from winning the lottery, but like you go back to being as happy as you were before. Wow. If you become paralyzed in an accident, your happiness set point lowers tremendously and then returns to where it was before. That like your set point in life. And that's what I notice about kind of like maternal obsessive anxiety. Like I know people who've got some pretty hard rows to hoe, you know, and they're happier than people who are like constantly obsessing about the minutia of life. I think about it all the time. Like how can we all free ourselves a little bit more from this angst that seems to be like the cancer of motherhood, you know? I don't know. and But do you think somebody who's going through something really tough, like doesn't have time to be comparing and despairing about whether the presents are wrapped the right way? Yeah, I think they have more. And I also think that like anxiety is it fills the bucket you leave for it, basically. Mm -hmm. Like if you have a gallon anxiety bucket and no problems, you will obsess about the presents not being wrapped exactly correct until you fill that gallon. And if you have a quart, anxiety bucket and you have a kid who is profoundly disabled, you're only going to put a cord in. You know what I mean? Like, I think there is something like it's a little bit like what you search for is what you find. And I think sometimes it's like we feel this. I remember having it. I had postpartum anxiety with my first child and it was like the overwhelming realization that I had like given birth to something that I cared about more than anything else in the world. And I had very little control over that person like living, dying, being happy, not happy, like the overwhelming realization of like, oh, no, this is going to be really scary all the time from now on was really hard for me. And like I've had to work really hard on like not having a gallon size anxiety bucket all the time that I'm trying to fill by looking at other people on Facebook and being like, oh, my God, what are they doing better than me? Was some of that anxiety, but did some of it run to like the things other people were doing without you? Like that's when I really experienced a lot of fear of missing out in my life was leaving behind my old pre-kid life and watching my friends without kids continuing to roll on their path unimpeded by, you know, diarrhea and middle of the night feedings. It was what I desperately wanted. But then I was like, oh, but I am leaving these other things behind and I'm stressed out about that. And you're not wrong. I mean, you do lose out. Yeah. I mean, we had different experiences because I think you were early in your friend group to have kids, right? I wasn't so much early as I was sort of right on schedule, but it was more that all of my friends, I was a performer. And so all of my friends were in the acting world where, I mean, plenty of people like don't get married and have kids at all. And if they do, they're like, you know, they're racing out the clock at the last second. So I guess I was early on that timeline, but not on, you know, regular world timeline at all. But yeah, but like with your friend group, I was like the last person I knew in the world to have kids. But I one of the clearest memories of early having a kid, I had my oldest on September 25th 
And then it was the World Series. So like that's early October. So it's a couple weeks in maybe. And I was just so tired and so anxious and so miserable. And we were sitting on my couch. I'm like breastfeeding on and off. And we're watching the World Series. And I remember looking at all the people like, you know, the stands are filled. And I remember looking at them and being like, how are they at the World Series? (laughs) Did they not have children? Any of these people? Like I had that feeling of like, I will never be normal again or leave the house. And like the place we lived in Los Angeles had a ton of outdoor cafes and I would be like walking the baby so sleepy, like a crazy, like gnome, you know, just like walking my baby in a stroller. And I would be looking at these people drinking outdoors at a cafe during the day and being like, right. Who are you? How are you living this life? It seemed so Felt like I had just been like zoomed to like a desert island where like nothing would ever happen again. And like other people were still just like living normal lives. And immediately entering that world where, you know, you go to a party and somebody says, what do you do? And you say, well, I have small kids. I stay home with them or whatever. And just immediately being like womp, womp, sad trombone. Yeah. Sad trumpet. Exactly. Like, oh, I guess I'll talk to this person. I still feel that sometimes that like the people who, you know, who didn't get off the work path. Of course I do. Of course I have performer friends who didn't have kids, who didn't get married and have won Tony Awards. Like that's, you know, I have that in my life. And when I see them on TV, I do recognize the road not taken. And it's like, okay, I made my choice and I'm happy with my choice. But it's kind of that running for the plane feeling like, oh, you missed out. Yeah, I stopped to get a bottle of water and then the way door closed when I was my back was turned. Right. But it's also easy to concentrate in our constellation of people because we both come from that background of like striving performers at one point or another. It's easy to concentrate in that constellation on the three people who we now see on television. Right. And not the 18 other people who are still like struggling at it. You know what I mean? Like it. Mm hmm. When you tell your own story, Oprah says this all the time, and I kind of, it always like, I get a kick out of it. She's like, I knew I was destined for this. And I'm like, yeah, exactly. everybody feels that way, Oprah. You made it. Like, whatever, the Plinko ball bounced in whatever way that you became Oprah, but you didn't manifest it. 8,000 people thought they were going to be you, and there's only one of you. And like, I'm glad that you saw it for yourself because she came out of difficult circumstances and like certainly... Believing she could do it was part of where she got to. But like, it's not necessarily that the other road was like us switching places with our most successful friends. Right. Of not wanting it enough. No, it's like a lot of people wanted it a lot and it didn't work out for a lot of people for a lot of different reasons. But let's blame the kids. I think we should talk about our kids when we get back and how fear of missing out, how fear of our kids missing out affects us as well. Duke Cannon is back as a sponsor this week. They've got the Internet's finest smelling grooming goods for all the fellows in your life. Duke Cannon gifts are fun to give and fun to open. They've got big soaps, and I mean, they're hefty. you got to lift with your back to lift up these soaps. They smell like snow-covered pine, burning yule logs, and I'm quoting directly here, they smell like mischief and shenanigans. <laughs> 
I like that. Yeah. I want a dude who smells like mischief and shenanigans in my life. Duke Cannon has beard supplies for the hairy face dudes. They've got shave sets for the clean face dudes. Ladies, here's the point. Duke Cannon's products are made in a little place we like to call these United States of America. And they give back 5% of net profits to causes that benefit veterans and active duty military. Nice. If the stockings in your house are hung with care and power tools, mosey on over to DukeCannon.com. And when you use the promo code MOTHERHOOD, you'll get 15% off your entire order. And if you spend 35 bucks, you'll get free shipping too. I'm going to tell you that my Southern relatives did not like the way you just said mosey right now, Amy. They're, they're not feeling your New York City take <laughs> That's on, appropriation. On, on mosey. That's D-U-K-E-C-A-N-N-O-N.com and use the code MOTHERHOOD for 15% off, easy to buy gifts for hard to buy for guys. Mosey. Sure, some moms do it all, and we're all for that, but we are also here for those moms who maybe aren't acing their mom game every single day. And now, some shout-outs for all you just-okay moms out there from the What Fresh Hell podcast. Hey, just-getting-by mom, you only forgot to pick up your kids from school one day this month. That's almost certainly better than some other mom out there somewhere. Listen, disorganized mom, the thing to remember is that you took your kid to the birthday party. The fact that you had no gift and were also there on the wrong day are problems, but you did try. So we say, go you. Heads up, lazy mom. We don't think you're bailing on cooking dinner. We think you are doing your part to keep the pizza delivery economy of this great nation humming. Thanks, friend. Yo, slacker mom. Sure, one of those fancy PTA moms ran a fundraiser that raised like 10 grand to fund a whole new tech department at her elementary school. But look at you. You've practically funded a new wing of the town library by racking up giant fines every month for that copy of the third Harry Potter book your kid can't seem to find. We salute you. Helicopter moms are the worst, right? That's not you, distracted mom. You spent your kid's entire soccer tournament scrolling through Instagram and Facebook and missed two goals and an assist by your kiddo. Way to help him develop an independent mindset. Oh, yeah, PJ mom. Those pajamas totally look like pants to us. Someone glared at your robe at school drop-off? Not us, baby. We think you're totally pulling off those slippers as hip fuzzy clogs. So Jenny Evans wrote an article for Scary Mommy that's called We Have FOMO for Our Children and We Need to Get Over It ASAP. And I can really appreciate the use of acronyms there. Double acronym. FOMO ASAP. (laughs) And I thought she was... I'm going to give you a quote from the article because I thought it was good. She says, since when did childhood become a checklist of experiences? We're approaching parenting as if it's some sort of accelerated enrichment course. And our grade as parents depends on the number of experiences, often elaborate and expensive ones that we have furnished for our children. I couldn't agree with this more. And I love this point. And I think there is an approach to life in our modern day right now Amidst a certain quantity of upwardly mobile, you know, folk that is way too obsessed with this topic. Like, I see that Facebook ad with the scratch off map of the world 
And I'm like, I've been to four countries in my entire life. You know how many countries my kids have been to? <laughs> One country. It's fine. They were born here. They've never been anywhere else. Like the idea that like we should hang a world map. I mean, fine. If travel is your one thing, maybe. But like a scratch off world map of everywhere we've gone. Like, okay, we scratch off U.S. and we're done for the next 10 years. You know, like and there's a new one I just saw that's like scratch off what books you've read. It's like we're not in a contest, people. Mm -hmm. to accumulate experiences. My dad actually has that map, and he's scratched off a ton of countries. Well, I'm going to go rip it off his wall, Amy. (laughs) Rip it up and throw it at him. Well, my my point is, like, he didn't even begin to do that until he was in his 50s, until he was an empty nester. Like, that's when, like, and now I'm going to allow myself these experiences that are important to me and my spouse as a reward for a life well-lived. But it wasn't like, yeah, you need to get your kindergartner abroad. If it's important to you, fine. But then the problem is... Yeah, I just think there's no contest. I don't like setting it up in this way of like, which of these books have you read? Which of these da-da-da have you done? Like, I just find that view of the world, like, this isn't a thing, guys. We're not in a contest about how many places we've been. Like, I just, if you have a kid, or maybe it's just that, like, pick your one thing. And I said this about other things as a mom. I have a theory in momming. I wrote a blog post about it a long time ago. I'll see if I can drag it up. But pick your one thing because this helps undo this whole thing. So like you're not going to be good at like beautifully wrapping your Christmas presents with cinnamon sticks in November and be good at handcrafting Halloween costumes and be good at making fresh break mo. I pick my one thing and my mom's one thing when we were growing up was Halloween costumes. She made us handmade unbelievably gorgeous, elaborate Halloween costumes. But that was kind of it. She wasn't like up baking muffins every morning. She didn't elaborately wrap presents. Every once in a while, if she was into it, she'd find a pretty wrapping paper. She'd like do a nice job with the presents. But her thing was Halloween costumes. My thing has been making my kids extremely elaborate and fun birthday cakes. That's my thing. I do it. I can't do any of this like hands-on stuff. I stay up late helping with English papers. How's that sound? Like, <laughs> that's my thing. That's fine. That can be your thing too. You can be like the really good homework helper. But I think if you can identify, and it's fine if your one thing in your retirement is like, I'm going to go travel as much as I can and I'm going to get my scratch off map. But like, I think it helps eliminate and work against FOMO when you're like, I have my thing. And then you can be like, then everyone else becomes Beyonce to you. You know what I mean? Well, the difference with now is the social media. Like, So years ago, I went to a friend of mine's parents' house for dinner in New York City. They grew up like overlooking Central Park. She had a very nice upbringing. And I remember going to their house and seeing a line of photos going down the front hall of her and her siblings when they were growing up. Like, here they are, like, riding a camel with, like, the pyramids in the background. Here they are on the Great Wall of China, whatever. Like, and I was like, wow, these girls, like, how lucky they were. All these great travel experiences they had as children. But none of this stuff was on social media. And their mom, similarly, was not motivated by, like, how quickly can I filter this photo and get it up on Instagram? There is this sort of motivation that we all have that no event that you have is truly worthy or was worth anything unless it's shared on social media. 
you know, if you found the wallet in the taxi, it's not worth just returning it. You have to show everybody you're returning it so everybody can say, aren't you wonderful? You're not going to take a picture of your kid on a camel and not put it on Instagram. Are you crazy? Why even do it then? And I think that's the problem, both for the person who's like, wow, I never put my kid on a camel and for ourselves that we feel like we have to check a box of stuff. Yeah. And I do think if you can give yourself stuff that it's like, and they're not, listen, I'll send you a picture of one of the cakes. Listen, there's nothing to write home about in these cakes. They're fine. They're pretty good. They're better than my cakes. That's for sure. They're fine. They're not like, I'm not, don't picture those like, you know, where they have like the entire scene crafted in fondant or whatever. They're just kind of normal cakes. But that's my thing. I don't know. It helps me with the thing of like, it helps me look at the camel picture and be like, yeah, that's not a thing. I've gotten better about not sharing those things with the world. Share a cake. You made that cake. And your kid's probably like, eh, thanks, mom. Like, you need some pats on the back for that thing. Yeah, I need a little external validation on that. Right. I feel like that's different. Like, that's something you made with your hands, and that deserves a round of applause instead of like, here we are at the Four Seasons, you know, that you don't deserve plaudits for that. And you're making other people feel worse is obviously not your point, but it's like Susan Narjala, I'm going to give you a truth bomb. She says, here's a simple idea. You can have a good time without sharing it with the world. And I've gotten a lot better in the last year about like taking a picture and being like, yeah, this is just for me. I don't need to like humble brag about look at this cool person I got to meet or whatever. You just like you just experience it for you. I'm going to push back a little bit. I love it. Like my friend went to Banff National Park, which is somewhere I've always been. And like all week on Facebook, I was like, I can't wait to see her beautiful pictures from like Lake Louise. Like, I can't wait to see her experience this place that I want to go. You know, Oh, that's interesting. And then when my husband and I, I mean, we don't travel there much. We don't have disposable income. We had a little bit of money that came to us after my mom passed away. And we were like, let's do something really special with it. And we went to London and Paris with the money. And we were having the time of our lives. We were in this beautiful place. And I was like, I took a lot of pictures of us, like on the Seine with the sun setting. Like, look at this gorgeous place, you guys. Like, I enjoyed sharing that. And I think there is a little bit of like a layering that like, again, it's not about you. Like, I'm having the most amazing time, like standing in front of Buckingham Palace. I'm like, you dudes, look at where I am. And like, I'm going to share the joy of that with people on Facebook. And it's not about being like, I'm in Paris and you're not. Well, and if somebody perceives that as like, God, like, I'm never going to get to do something like that, then maybe it's more on us to like put the phone down. That's not your intent and sharing. You're like, this is my joy. I'm getting to do something really special and once in a lifetime. And if somebody doesn't like that, then they don't have to look at it. And if it's making you feel bad about yourself, then do something about that. And realize that, like, my husband and I do not spend our entire lives making out in Paris. Like, we just had a very lucky moment where we got to do that, and it was so much fun. And why do I feel compelled to share it on Facebook? I guess I could understand where people are like, geez, just go enjoy Paris. You don't have to stick it on Facebook every five minutes. But look at how beautiful it is. I want you to see these, like, amazing sights that I'm getting to see. Like... I don't know. I see both sides of it. I also see, and I've said before, that like at some point when we came home from London, my kids had been reading Harry Potter and I brought them all wands from the Harry Potter store in London and they love them. It was like every character is like, quote unquote, real wand. They were like these nice wands. And then we came home and I had bought chocolate frogs and like the cute boxes. Like we had bought them these Harry Potter themed things and we got the Harry Potter novels out and we were sitting around And I was like about to post that picture on social media. And I was like, 
this is a really unfair representation of my family and I'm not going to put this on social media. And like I did have a moment with that that was like, I'm going to put this on and people are going to feel that way of like, oh, she just sits around with her family reading novels and enjoying treats based on that novel's theme. I was like, this is phony and I'm not going to put it up. But like my husband and I like skipping around Paris like dorks and being like, holy cow, guys, can you believe we're at the Louvre while the sun is setting on the pyramid thing? Like, I'm going to put that on social media. Yeah, I guess I'm thinking like, are there different motivations for like, here we are experiencing pure joy and here's my perfect family. You know, are there slightly different motivations behind that? And that's why you recognize in the second one, like, "Mm, maybe I'm not going to share this. Yeah, I think I come out on the side firmly of like the world's not coming to you. So like change the way you come to the world. And like when I see people at Disneyland, I mean, the problem is like, let's be honest, when I see people at Disneyland who I'm like vaguely jealous of in general and don't like that much, I'm like, like that at Disneyland. When I see like my neighbors who I love who are at Disneyland in like matching t-shirts that are like this family went to Disneyland and like they've all got their ears on. I'm like, slow clap. You're the best people in the world. Like, You bring a lot to social media that is like, I guess I'm also old. Like, I feel like I get it. Like, I look at all that stuff and I'm like, "Uh, I get it. I get what you're doing there. Right. Well, you I mean, on a different day, maybe you would have the I just missed the plane and the jetway door is closed in my face when it's your neighbors at Disney World and not Beyonce. But on that day, in that way, you're like, oh, good for them, I guess. You know, it is, I guess, more about how we respond to it because the world isn't going to change. We live in a world where there is a little bit of a race to the top for our five-year-olds and whatever, and you can choose to engage in that or not. But if you're finding it's making you feel bad about yourself, you cannot engage. Yeah, I think that that... Do you watch The Good Place? No. It's funny. Should I? But yeah, it's funny. I like The Good Place. They don't sponsor us, but I like the show. But there's a girl on the show who's a robot. And it's like there's this runner where like every time anyone's like, you know, you're a girl or like, hey, girl, she just always is like, not a girl because she's just reminding them that she's actually a robot. And I feel like I have an inner voice on that interacts now with social media where I try to have that voice. It's like not a race. It's not a race. It's not pie. There's not a fun pie. And those people are taking pieces of the fun pie. And then there's not going to be enough fun pie left for you. You know what I mean? Or sometimes it is a race. Like I have a high school junior and here we go. Like talk about a race. He's about to enter a race. And the way for me to help him get through that with his self-esteem intact and feeling great about the outcome is to kind of keep our heads down a little bit and maybe get off social media and at least commit for myself. Like I'm not going to share where he's applying early decision and that kind of nonsense. Like you need to stay in your lane. If you are in a situation where the race is happening and there's nothing you can do about it, what you can do about it is choose not to engage. Yeah. Just do your race. Just run your race. Cause it doesn't like, Yes, I guess there is a pie, which is like there's only so many kids who are going to get into this school and he might not be one of them. But I just saw an article that was like, please stop posting pictures of where your kid got into school because people post, you know, like Binghamton sweatshirt with a hat. It's like this is where my kid is going. And I was like, to me, that is an absurd proposition. Like, of course, you can post where your kid went to school. Yeah, I guess you're right. Like, you can't be like, stop making other people feel bad. It's like if you're feeling bad, people turn your phone off. I tend to see, I mean, my husband sometimes sits me down and reigns me in on this, but I think because of the way I was raised by like my Irish Catholic mom, who was like very like stern on these issues, like 
I tend to see the word, like, I can't stand articles that are like 30 things to never say to the parent of a newborn. It's like, people are going to say dumb stuff. Like, people are going to post pictures of where their kid got into school, and it's not about you. I don't know. That's I'm stuck on that one, Amy. Well, it is tough when it is you, but, you know, but I think that, yeah, I mean, my answer is I engage less with social media at those times, and I think... That's a way to fix it. I think engaging less with social media is our solved it finally. That like if social media is serving you and you're going on and you're like, look at my fun friends having fun and like, oh, look at my friend on Lake Louise. Look at that beautiful water. I hope I get to see it someday. Like knock yourself out. If social media is giving you a feeling of like, oh my God, everyone's getting into college and not us and this is going to be a nightmare year. It's time to back away a little bit from the social media. I'm going to give you a takeaway from Susan Nargella. Please do. It's time to reconnect with the value of being in the now rather than being in the know. I'll take it. I get that. I hear what Suzanne is cooking. Right? Knowing what everybody else is doing, if it doesn't make you happy, then... Put your phone down and talk to your kids. Yeah. And like, I do think this is something that our kids need a ton of help with. I mean, like, I have kids who are like, that kid is cool and I'm not. I have one kid who is like, he needs to be like, what is that job at an auction where you like write down everything that's for sale? Like, whatever that job is, that's what he needs to be when he grows up. He comes home from people's houses and he's like, mom, they have a fridge that is just for sodas. They have a trampoline. They have, it is just a laundry <laughs> list of things that that family has that a we FOMO do not. List. Like it is a FOMO <laughs> list. Like he is like Bartleby the Scrivener. Like he goes over to houses <laughs> and he's like, here is a list of how we fail because here is all the great stuff that they have. And they have this Nerf gun, that Nerf gun. I'm like, all right, all right, I get it. But I do think that this is something that our kids, I mean, I think I have definitely gained this perspective a little bit in my life. So it's easy for me to be like, get over it, people who cares. But this is definitely something that our kids need a lot of help and guidance on. Right. And just being dismissive of it, which I tend to do of like, who cares what they have? We're fine. You know, it's not going to get us there. That's right. With compassion, model another way of looking at things i guess have to do it with compassion self-compassion do you love yourself margaret i love myself i'm just (laughs) saying for my kids do i have to be compassionate about it that sounds horrible all right guys i think we solved this one we want to know how you're handling this at your house do you have fomo Come to our Facebook page after we just told you not to use social media anymore. But our <laughs> Facebook page is always except because you'll never have FOMO there. You'll just have it's a warm bath of acceptance. You'll have a warm bath of acceptance. Everybody has their bathing suits on. It's not weird. You'll have Woomba warm bath of acceptance. <laughs> and that is at Facebook.com forward slash what fresh hellcast. And you can join our Facebook group where you will definitely have Woomba because it is a warm bath of acceptance. Love it. You can also find us on Instagram at what fresh hellcast. You can give us your filter free photos and we will love them. And you can find us on Twitter at WFH podcast. And if you want to hear more about the research today, like the why bronze medalists are happier than silver medalists. You do. That'll be on our website, which is what fresh Guys, don't have FOMO. Have Woomba. And we will talk to you next time. (laughs) Bye.